Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is episode number 546 for comics originally released January the 1st, 2020. That's going to take me a little while to get a hold of. 2020, no longer 2019. We are into the new year. This is Kyle and Drew with your sneak peek. But before we get into what's coming out in your local comic shop this coming Wednesday, it's not just Drew and myself on the podcast today. We have a special guest with us. We have Eric all the way from Wisconsin, all the way from Cowabunga Comics. Hello, hello. How are you guys doing? Great. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year and all that good stuff. Yes, absolutely. Merry Christmas to you gentlemen as well. So what brings you by? Not that we don't love to have you come by, but um, it's it's a special occasion. What's happening? Well, I just got a buzz on the phone. The party line from 1992 was active, so I thought, <laughs> let's get on and see what's going. <laughs> no, um, we, you know, we, we kind of... We have ongoing dialogue throughout the year, and one of the things that came up not that long ago was I was just sitting and thinking, you know, what would be a fun way to kind of spice things up, both on your podcast, but also a way that maybe we could try and raise some money and and get some listeners engaged and stuff like that. And um, what I came up with was kind of a challenge for the two of you. It's something that I think had been batted around maybe last year, the year before, the idea of you guys get a set you know, kind of allotment of money and you go, you both go and, and invest how you think you can best turn around and make money. Um, and so what I decided to do was instead of having you guys front your own money, I'm going to front you money. Hey, make, I like that. Right. I'm going to give you each a hundred bucks and the challenge is over the course of 2020, see who can turn that hundred dollars into more money. And the end goal of this is whatever we earn or I guess I should say whatever you guys earn, we're going to donate to the Heroes Initiative. And for those that don't know what Heroes Initiative is, um, if you've ever been to a convention and you see little signs on artists' tables, um, what they're usually saying is signatures are, are free, and then we ask for any donation to Heroes Initiative. And it really goes to help out comic book writers, artists, and other industry professionals who have fallen on usually some sort of health hardship and have significant amounts of medical uh, bills or other things like that that they need help with and the heroes initiative is really there to kind of be a community support system to help them make sure they have what they need Uh, there's obviously a ton of organizations around the united states and the world that do similar things for all sorts of different people whether it's veterans homeless you name it Um, but i thought this would be kind of a fun way to stay inside the comic book world it's something that we all uh, probably don't even realize how active Heroes Initiative is with our creative talent that we buy books from every month. Uh, in fact, I know of a couple of very young creators who have had to reach out to Heroes Initiative for some help with medical bills and things like that, and you wouldn't suspect it. So it's a it's a really worthy cause. Um, it's something that I think we as a larger comics community could certainly always do a little bit more to help with. And it's something that I I like helping with because it doesn't con- doesn't carry with it a lot of other excess baggage, um, overhead costs, and things like that. It's basically volunteers that run this thing, volunteers that run it at conventions, um, creators helping each other out, and then the community. So that's the idea. Um, I'll give you each a hundred dollars via PayPal, and you guys can invest it. However you want to, whether you want to buy books that are coming out this week, whether you want to buy back issues, 
whatever you think you want to do with the money, the goal is let's see who can turn that $100 into the most amount of money by the end of the year. We'll figure out a cadence for regular check-ins and kind of get some sort of a, an idea of what you guys have bought, sold, things like that, and what you're looking like. Maybe it'll be monthly. Seems like that might be a good a good level. I think weekly could get a little bit too, too micromanagey. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the idea. So what do you guys say? Are you up for the challenge? Yeah, absolutely. That sounds, that sounds awesome. great. So I don't think like, I know my brother well enough. I think he's going to go and spend it all on the quarter bins. So this would be <laughs> interesting. Um, and I'm also going to throw this out there to any listeners who are listening. Um, if you want to do your own personal challenge and you know see where you get relative to these guys, I'm sure that uh, you, you know through social media, through Twitter, Facebook, whatever, um, or email in and let them know where you're where you're at and what you're doing. I think that'd be kind of fun as well, and I would also challenge you, if you're doing this at home, uh, maybe take a little bit of your proceeds, and when we get to the end of the year, we put it all together and, and get it over to the Heroes Initiative. Absolutely. Put yourself against us. Earmark $100. Uh, play the challenge with us. Tell us where you guys are making money, not making money. Make us look like fools on some account, or perhaps teach us throughout the year what the best way you guys are finding as well, because um, it's not easy. I mean, if I'm just beating my brother through the whole year that's not really that fun no, that's kind of like every day anyway so <laughs> so yeah i yeah. think that's going to so, be fun and it adds a little something and hopefully maybe we can get a few more listeners to to chime in too and, and kyle and i will have to work out the uh our ground rules i guess too because he'll try to cheat and do loopholes and stuff so we'll have to make sure that that uh he doesn't t- take any shortcuts how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, you can't buy I believe gold. you are the one that cheats at Monopoly every single time. You you can't uh, you can't buy gold. Uh, <laughs> you, have to, you have to invest in comics. And, uh, what is this comic called Bitcoin you speak of? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome, man. Thank you. Uh, it, it'll be fun. And then like, sometime in December of next year, we'll uh, sell everything. And uh, see how we did, or we'll sell. I'll, I mean, we'll probably have to sell as we go and just tally because you know, got to strike while the iron's hot on some of these. Yep. Oh, that's the idea. Okay. That's so the idea. It's the up idea to us to decide whether we're. The year. So we can either we can either hold on to it or sell it uh, at at the end of the year. Yep. So you're going to be working hard those first six months to get around 300 in profit to flip it for that amazing Spider-Man 300 to then flip at the end of the year. <laughs> I don't think I could. I don't think I could bear it again. <laughs> I and then, stay away from. I was going to say to throw a little sweetener into it. What we're going to do is, um, I'll I'll put together a nice little goodie package for whoever does the best. You know, some some ratio variants and maybe a few exclusives, a couple things like that. And uh, whoever does the best between you guys will get those. And if we have some listeners that we can follow along and see how they do, uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll throw something to the person who lets us know they did the best. We'll have to find some way to validate it, but I think we can probably trust most of the listeners. Absolutely, most of them. Not that guy in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, Not shifty. Yeah, you, you mean that that sweet guy that just sends all sorts of goodies and fun things and ask nothing in return he's definitely the one we should keep an eye on (laughs) (laughs) yeah that guy (laughs) so yeah if you guys want to share um and and you guys being listeners you want to share your ebay handles if that's where you think you're going to do a bulk of your selling obviously there may be listeners who are interested in what you have and 
uh, may want to bid up things a little bit so that you know a couple more dollars to the heroes initiative so if you want to do that feel free but that's the challenge i look forward to the year and uh yeah with that i hope you guys don't mind i'm just going to hang around and lurk in the shadows during this episode sounds awesome. great awesome so yeah if you if you want to be a part of this or you have questions about the the contest or questions for eric about heroes initiative or anything like that you can email us at comics for fun and profit at gmail.com uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Comics Fun Profit, or Instagram, or Facebook, both at Comics for Fun and Profit, um, and get a hold of us that way. Those connections will all be in the show notes as well. And once we get uh, uh, some stuff going, uh, we'll try to keep a tally going to see how we're doing. Um, I'm already kind of thinking like I might do half half new stuff and half like maybe in a, an investment comic, like an older investment comic um, that I can hold on for the year and see how that goes. I don't know. It's exciting. There's a lot of different ways to go um, uh, with the idea that we uh, make a lot of money. I get to beat my brother's brains in and give to charity. It's a win-win. I love it. <laughs> Bring <laughs> now it on. Now we... Um, Kyle, did we do this last year? Did we do a best of yearly wrap up last year? We've done them many times. I cannot remember if we did one for 2018, but I assume we did. And I know because we we also used to do the the mid year cowies with Eric mm-hmm. and James. Those have went away. Yeah, we um, should get back on those. That was fun. We need to get back on those. Um, but uh, this is this is our 2019 yearly wrap up. Um, we tweaked it a little bit, um, and to kind of. So it, it was a little lengthy last time, so we kind of streamlined it a little bit. Um, and the first set of categories are all big two questions. So it's Marvel and DC lumped together. Um, and the first category is our favorite read of the year. Kyle, do you want to go first or when we go to first? Uh, you can go first on this if you'd like. Okay. Um, I had a few, uh, a few nominees that kind of were in the running for for the winner um doomsday clock was one uh dead man logan was something that i really enjoyed reading all year um american carnage the brian hill book i really liked a lot um deceased was a solid solid book uh, all year long as was um Although it was only three issues, uh, Superman Year One I thought was a, was a standout standout book, um, and I know this is going to be a tough one um, for you to swallow, but I'm going to give it to Doomsday Clock. A little recency bias. I know After there was a all lot the trash you talked about Doomsday Clock and all the, the delays. Yeah, it's just, um, you know, I between the the the, the quality of the of the ending this this the solid art throughout that you know they took their time with and uh but i, I just i just thought that was um probably my favorite big two book of the year there you go uh for me we've got of course we've got deceased i've been tip, dipping my toe in and out of deceased of course it's tom taylor um in the last couple of weeks knowing this was coming up i jumped in and read through a bunch of that stuff um, I started in the House of X and Powers of Ten stuff. I made sure I finished this one again. A big, those two big books are the ones that speak out. Um, I also have uh, Jimmy Olsen in this one. 
I also have Lois Lane there by Rocket in this category as well. Those are, for me, the ones that I'm probably looking at the most as far as my big two because those are the ones I, I finished up and really liked. Um, and I'm going to give it to, and I'm combining House of X and Powers of Ten together because um, I think it was a really neat thing to do. We talked for years about, man, X-Men are convoluted. Nobody cares. Why was Wolverine in 56 books? These are things. And they're trying to just unify and do something different. It was bonkers. It was off the wall. I had no clue what was going on in Powers of Ten for about three of the six books but once it's all said and done um you know friends or or enemies are friends again we have a whole congruent you know island of people we're doing a completely different thing and i never thought they'd get me but i'm like okay i'm with you let's take this together it's something different it's something neat and uh my favorite read was the entire six issues of house of x and powers of 10 if you haven't done it you can pick up the hardcover with those in them now uh, a really good thing from, and I'm giving Marvel credit for doing something, doing an event that I enjoyed. Well, I I, I cannot discount that because I haven't read those yet. It's so. definitely worth reading, especially since we were so frustrated with what X Men was within Marvel. Mm-hmm. This is their attempt through this to do it, and that's that's just looking at this because then if we want to look at Dawn of X that came after that, it hasn't really lived up to what I thought I was getting with Powers of X and Powers of Ten, and in several of those titles. But in general, I like the restarting. I like the doing. I like the the, the mutant togetherness and everything. It, solid event. Yeah. Eric, do we miss anything? Uh, some favorite reads of yours in the big two realm? Um. So for me, I this year was not as big of a reading year as other years. Um, work has just gotten busier and busier at the shop. But I did find time to read Silver Surfer Black, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, I thought that a number of the pieces that were kind of stitched and begun by Donny Cates uh, a long time back in things like um, his, his uh, oh my gosh, his Thanos and some of the other work that he had done. Uh, yeah, there was the Doctor Strange damnation pieces and things like that. So all the groundwork that he's been laying for kind of this black world was, has been great. But I'm going to say for me, um, my favorite read of the year, it was unfortunately the third and final issue of the three-issue series. The first two came out in 2018. One came at the very end of 2018, I think the last week. Um, And that's Batman Damned. I absolutely loved how it all wrapped up. I thought that it was, from start to finish, it it was a fantastic piece of writing. The art was amazing, I think, as far as leading off the Black Label kind of um, creator-controlled style of things i thought it was a great lead on lead in obviously we know that the first issue had its um shadowy edition that <laughs> caused a number of uh people to get very excited uh, but the story in and of itself regardless of that i think was fantastic so for me that was probably the most rewarding read of the year um just to wrap it up nicely Um, let's see. Favorite investment comic. This is to keep or to flip. Keep long term or to flip short term. And I was on the fence. I I was I was going back and forth between Naomi and Immortal Hulk. Um, yeah, those are the two obviously big ones from the big two of this. Those year. were the big ones that I made the most money with and uh, seemed to have enough heat um, for the longest uh, extended amount of time. Um, but I'm going to give it to Immortal Hulk just because it, it just seemed to be the gift that kept on giving. You know, you'd think it was going to cool off, and then something 
else would be would would take off and get hot and um you know solid alex ross covers throughout and um so i i gave it i gave it to immortal hulk yeah and both of both naomi and immortal hulk i has it had as very quick flips i didn't see necessary i don't know the long term in naomi i'm still not sure what dc's doing with that um so i think your your best bet was to sell early on that one i'm not real sure but only time will tell on that one but i had those both as quick lifts flips but i also had naomi and immortal hawk as my mm-hmm. top two what other uh, big two investment comics um hot hot flip comics the from 2019 happened uh, that we may have missed out on um Eric? well there was a handful of of books that turned around and did pretty good i'm just kind of going back through looking at my list of things and the ones that jump out to me let's kind of get back here towards the beginning of the year um Oh, so these are mostly going to be middle of the year and and, and closer to now. Uh, there was a Ghost Spider number two Peach Momoko one and twenty five variant that I ended up picking up that uh, did pretty good, sold for forty bucks and kind of kept creeping up. Um, I also definitely know that something is killing the children number one. There was the A cover did good, and then the Jenny Frizen uh, variant did incredibly well on the secondary it's not market. Big two, though. Right. Uh, oh, fine. That's right. That's not big two. <laughs> well, then fine. I'll go big two with Batman Beyond Thirty Seven, which was the first Batwoman, um, fast yes, first Batwoman yes. Beyond. That was a big one. And then probably my winner, my personal winner, um, one that I looked at and I ended up getting three copies of myself because I had a hunch on it, was the Marvel Action Spider Man number ten. Now I know it's not big two, but it is still big two <laughs> because it's still solicited in the Marvel section. So you yes. call it what you want, but I would say Batman Beyond number thirty seven. And then Marvel Action Spider-Man number 10, 1 in 10 incentive, John Boy Myers variant. So those are the ones that I have. Nice. Uh, for, for favorite creator, uh, from the uh, favorite big two creator, um, that's a tough one. But uh, for me, it, it had to be Tom Taylor. Uh, he did some great stuff in 2019, uh, mostly for the big two. And I liked all of it. So Yep. He, Tom Taylor's fine. my answer as well, from both Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man and from his work on deceased. Cause those were the two that I looked at and said, Oh, he's doing the same things I like in these. Yeah. You have a favorite creator, favorite big two creator that you always go back, back to. Um, yeah, I do. Uh, <laughs> he didn't do much this year, but what he did was great. Uh, Kurt Busick, he, oh. he wrapped up the Marvel's stuff. He did the, uh, the, the epilogue on the Marvel's books. He finished up his creature of the night. Um, so those are the two big two ones, and then I will give honorable mentions also to Tom Taylor, Donny Cates, and Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, Hickman I had only a couple times. Hickman was my number two. Yeah. Okay, so we have worst decision and best decision by the big two. Do you, which one do you want to do first, Kyle? I'll talk worst decision for a little bit because I talked about the highs of a uh, House of X and Powers of Ten and things like that, and then post those things. Um, some of the decisions with Dawn of X and some of the things I've seen from that haven't been good. Things like Fallen Angels and kind of the direction they took Laura Kinney in with that. Because we spent all that time with Tom Taylor and building up Laura Kinney as the next Wolverine and kind of getting past this, you know, adolescent wild child that's nothing but rage and everything to give her an actual personality. And then we put her in books like this and team up books and she's just... We've forgotten all that, and it's a very, very shallow thing of her. And I've seen her regress a little bit in both this and the one that was previous to uh, previous this. I can't remember who wrote the other X twenty three book right before that. 
But um, that character was really going somewhere when we had the absence of Wolverine, and then bringing him back, and then just kind of seeing what they've done with her. I think it was a. It's been nothing but bad decisions with her. That's, and then of that's course, a good call. I missed that. And then one of course, completely. Rick Grayson. <laughs> just the name. <laughs> All right, that's, that's that's yeah. I can I can feel your pain. I'd forgotten about the X twenty three debacle. It it has f- fallen off a cliff, and uh, I'm not really sure what what they were thinking because it was such a fun series um, up to that point. Um, m- mine is just just DC Year of the Villain thing. Um, it, 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 they yet another event shoehorned into something. Uh, taking over books that I normally read and uh, derailing them in a way that uh, I didn't, I don't get, um, I, I didn't understand the plan. I don't know what all the one shots were, what the deal was. It seemed cash grabby. This was coupled with acetate covers. And then we changed, we did cardstock skews and raised, raised prices on B covers, all that around the same time. So I'm blaming it all on DC's Year of the Villain. And, um, I, I don't, I didn't like that. I didn't like that one bit. I did I didn't, it, it really kicked me off of a bunch of titles that I was enjoying. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that was, that was mine. I bet you have a laundry list, Eric. Uh, you, you didn't get this, you didn't get this category ahead of time. So I, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but any, any bad decisions by the big two this year? Um, I'll just, as a retailer, sum mine up to say everything DC. Yeah. <laughs> From spoiling no, I, their storylines. <laughs> I don't care about the card stocks. Actually, there as a go. retailer, those are great because it's an extra dollar we make. But um, no, everything from spoiling their own books in the New York Times and going on late night shows and spoiling books before they show up to canceling highly anticipated and highly important um, collected editions that have been out of print. Um, just everything about the way they chose to run their business this year is is a downfall. Um, I think that there's some good creators, and I know that there's some good people that work at DC. And unfortunately, uh, you know, you can only you can you can roll in a sinking ship only for so long before it's sunk, and then you're just floating. And they are starting to sink, and they need to make some decisions and make some changes. I believe to kind of write things and resume more of a proper. Uh, approach so let's see best decision kyle um unpopular but i think pulling tom king from batman is a good decision on the part of dc uh simply because there were so many people that complained about it you're giving him his own book you're restarting it i mean when i look back and i started reading some more of those backs we did make some dumb stuff with tom king and with batman we literally had seven straight issues where we just had a dream with Batman, and that's our mainline title. It, he needed off the book. So I think that was the best decision that they could have made, and hopefully we get some good stuff from Tinian before, because I think that was a, a good decision by DC that couldn't have been an easy one. Pull him, give him his own book to do his Catwoman thing, and move on from that. And then um, the House of X, Powers of Ten, and the reforming, reformatting of the Dawn of X stuff from Marvel was the best decisions. Yeah, in the... In the running for worst decision was the 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 shuttering of, of Vertigo for me, mm. but um, but you know there's still Vertigo stuff coming out, so I'm like I don't did they did they really change their mind because I'm I still see some Vertigo every once in a while, so I'm not sure that 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 is that is actually happening, uh, but I think their best decision was this Hill House imprint, 
um, uh, you know, not quite as impactful as the Black Label, but for me, it has been um, a really, really cool uh, to have a curated uh, imprint like this. And I, I, I think they should try this um, in the future with different um, uh, authors uh, that, that want to, like, manage a genre. I could see that working outside of horror with maybe a war comic imprint or something like that. I, I think that'd be fun. Um, at least I would like it. Um, but I, I really, I really thought the Hill House imprint was, was, is great so far, uh, three or four titles in. And, um, I, I hope, uh, hope that's a, a sign of creative positivity, um, in, in the future. Uh, and for me, I'll switch to the other side of the aisle, and I will say Marvel returning to, um, I think, what they would consider their their rightful place at the top of the list. Uh, I think there's been a lot of, from a retailer perspective, a lot of very positive things Marvel has done, a lot of listening to retailers, doing the things that work best for us. Um, you as a listener and a reader may not love every title that they put out, but you cannot argue with their position in the sales rankings. Um, they give us as retailers tools to maximize our profits by offering the variant covers, which some people moan about and other people, you know, love it. It just kind of, it hits wherever it hits, but it is truly an incentive for us to add a few more books onto our orders in many cases to get those. Um, so by arming us with the, the fact that there is no returnability, giving us the opportunity to say, well... We don't have returnability, but if you add those extra five or six books, we will give you this one that's that's valued much higher, so you can at least cover cover that. Um, so there, there's a lot of things that Marvel has done um, in just a, a retailer's purview, I guess, as it pertains to how we receive the product. But I think more than that even is the direction that C.B. Sibolsky has brought in as the uh, editor-in-chief. Once he came in, you could tell the passion was there. The creators are excited. Um, they have an incredibly long list of things that they want to do. I think a, a farther-looking horizon than they've had in a long time. Um, a lot of items planned, and considering how much volume they're putting out, the fact that, by and large, they are relatively cohesive, I think is very impressive, and... Um, you know, things like Donnie Cates, Jason Aaron, you've got, and Jonathan Hickman, you've got some pretty strong horses um, doing some really, really awesome work. So I would say for me, between the big two, the, the most positive thing is just the overall turnaround of Marvel and how strong they are in the marketplace and how strong they are for us as retailers. Nice. Now let's slide into the everybody else category. We lumped. Uh, image and the back half and IDW and Dark Horse and everybody into this uh, to kind of hit the highlights of 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 what we think uh, were was was our standouts of the year and under favorite reads um, um, quickly uh, can I can I pr just predict you Drew sure sure I'm going to predict you as you know Walking Dead 193. Because we just kind of parrot each other on a lot of things. Well, these are just titles. These are not individual yeah, issues. Yeah, and I'm going to picture uh, Criminal. Those are my two predictions for you. Those both made the list as nominees. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, so you know me well. Uh, Second Coming <laughs> as well. I thought that that was great. Man Eaters I thought was solid. Um, I thought Murder Falcon was uh, a wonderful surprise. Um, and enjoyed that a lot. 
Ennis's walk through hell was great. Uh, I thought Fair Lady was um, just a, a real fantastic debut and something I hope I hope they bring back, even though it didn't make much money. Um, uh, Paper Girls ending um, that was solid. Of course, the beauty was a solid solid run as well. Red Sonia, I think, is is high quality book each and every month. And um, and then, but my winner and um, a nominee uh, is Ice Cream Man. Um, Whoa! Uh, yeah, it, it, I, I could have, I could have had an awful lot of Walking Dead on here, and there's enough coming. So you'll, you'll, you'll see. And I, I just, I felt like, you know, it's time to uh, appreciate this title. That's an anthology. But not an anthology. It's got a through line. It's got some incredibly creative concepts, um, high concepts, and and they they almost. I mean, every one of them have been great, um, and, and some of them have just been amazing page turners. And uh, uh, hats off! It's, it was my favorite title uh, of the year. Very good. Uh, on my list, my nominees for favorite read are Canto, uh, the Boom Book six-issue series. Wow. Uh, that turned out really good, and I think they're doing another six issues on that one. That was something I just finished up recently that I'd started, really liked, and said I had to finish up by the end of the year. Um, Little Bird, I went back. That's an image one that was another neat, neat small series uh, that I really liked. Uh, Die, really like Die. I'm, I'm not caught up all the way. I think they're out through nine. I'm through six at the moment, but... Uh, that is a book pretty much written for me. Really like, really have been enjoying that one. Uh, Dark Red, of course, from Aftershock. Big fan of that one. Uh, Dark Age from Red, Side, Red, uh, Red 5 Comics. I just read the first one, but I really enjoyed that one. That's the one where all metal turns to dust. So they go back to a more primitive wood-based culture. And then, of course, you and I love our post-apocalyptic. Um, Undiscovered Country has been great so far. Uh, Once in Future, of course, a giant bright spot. And... Uh, that's that's my list, and uh, I'm going to give it to Die. I'm really enjoying uh, the, the first Dungeons and Dragons, not the Die Die Die. The, the Dungeons and Dragons. Correct. Die as in with... roll a die, as in Jumanji yeah. meets Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, a really well done book. Uh, so really so good. I stopped reading that after issue one. So what? I'm missing no, go out. back in. Keep going. Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. Eric, what what are we missing out on? Well, for me, um, there's a number of smaller things that I had read. None of them were, um, I would say, top of the stack. Other than uh, Criminal, for me, is always up there. And I'm I'm gonna say that probably, hmm, I think my favorite of the year from all the rest has got to be Lazarus Risen. I yeah. got onto Lazarus late, and took the opportunity when they went from the monthly to the quarterly publication to start over. I'd read the first handful of issues and then kind of uh, veered off, not because I didn't like it, just because, you know, you can only have so much coming in at once. So I decided to double down. I went back, I bought the hardcovers and just went cover to cover on them. And then Lazarus Risen coming out this year. I've loved every, every, I think there were three issues that came out. I've loved them all. So yep. Yep. Um, that's, that's the one that I would give it to. Yeah, that that's that's true. Did you read the um, 
like the side quest books that were in the Lazarus uniform. I skipped those. Yeah, I I haven't. I do have them. I'm going to go back and read them though. Yeah, I I I mean it. <laughs> the the new Lazarus is the new formats. It's fantastic as from a reader standpoint, but it still it leaves it sure leaves you wanting more. Man. Oh yes, it does. But yeah, it's a nice chunk of it's it's a nice chunk of reading material. Let's see our favorite investment comic um, from that from the everybody else category, all the other publishers category. Um, I I'm I'm gonna this will be the last time I I can tow this line, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Walking Dead. Um, you know we still have we still saw the juice from uh, Rick's death. We still we're seeing princess getting um uh some heat when she gets introduced on the show uh so it still has juice and still has uh flippability probably for the last year coming up <laughs> yeah and uh the, especially on the walking dead it's not necessarily the 193 at the end uh those 190s 189s those are the low point for the numbers uh during that last arc for the most part so those are the ones that are, are fairly sought after because there's just not as much of those. And once everything ended, people clamored to read that last bit. And there just weren't enough of those books. So those ones were good ones. Um, of course, Once in Future made some good money. Went back for six or seven prints. Same thing with Die Number 1. I think it's on a, it was on its fifth or sixth print. Uh, so there was a good flippability in the beginning of those books. Yep. And I'll appropriately put mine in the right place now and say something is killing the children. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still um, pretty cool. Still a really good book. Yep, and especially the Jenny Frizen cover, and then if you have the uh, the New York Comic Con variant, it's the black and white Virgin uh, Jenny Frizen cover. Yes. So. I'm gonna put it, and uh, let's see, favorite um, favorite creator from uh, the other publishers. Um, it's gonna have to be Mark Russell, although he could have been in the running for the big two uh, with his Red Sonia and Second Coming. Um, those have been really, really solid, and um, I gave uh, my favorite creator to him. I defaulted to Robert Kirkman. Uh, just the balls to, to cut your series when he did, uh, the way it wrapped up, the how it did, and to know that that kind of was his vision the whole time, and that letters page at the end. Uh, Robert Kirkman, favorite creator of 2019. Yeah. Uh, Ed Brubaker, for me. I pretty much love everything that he does. Yep, and this year was no slouch for him, so I'm going with Ed Brubaker. Fantastic. Um, the worst decision um, is also the best decision, so I can I, I can yield the floor after this. Um, it it was ending Walking Dead, so yeah. uh, it was the worst decision because I selfishly would like to read Walking Dead forever. Um, but it was the best decision because it was executed so well. It was such a surprise, so well done. Um, it, going out on his own terms, we hell we did a special episode about the series because the series ending because it was so uh, amazing to the two of us, um, and uh, so it, it gets both my awards. Yeah, I also have Walking Dead as my worst decision and my best decision. Do you really? Regard. Yeah, I have it both <laughs> as both of those. Um, but another thing with the worst decision, I think it was 2019 where we kind of 
reordered the non-Big 2 and the non-Image in our previews catalogs and stuff. Yeah. And we've got different different non-Big ones jockeying for space and pulling them out of the uh, the alphabetic order of things that are typically in the smaller publishers and, you yeah. know, things like that. And I, I don't like those decisions. Just put them back there. Put them alphabetical. Let, it, let them fight for their space. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I'm just... I don't like Would the way... Would you like them all to be alphabetical? Yeah, just... just I mean, you've got your big two, and they've got their own thing. Image has pulled its book to its own thing at one point in time, and they just put everything in the in the latter half and let them be their own thing. Let them stand out how they want within that previews. This, you know, let's put Boom a little separate or Dark Horse a little separate or this one. Well, now Dark Horse is under this one and the the things and just kind of the way it's it's come out. I don't know. I don't like it as well. I I do think previews should look at. Everybody goes back into the catalog alphabetically, and you know DC and Marvel can have their catalog. I don't. I don't think Image does Plus anymore. I think no. that was. I think that was a one year and done thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see that too. I. I, I don't. I, I just don't think it works, and I like it was supposed to. I agree. Here, here. <laughs> But those are my best and worst. Okay. <laughs> um, I will start with my worst, and that is Images Publishing Policy. Uh, I think 2019 was officially the year where we started to see Image slip. Um, we saw the overabundance of similar titles continue to add confusion in the market marketplace, i.e. die and die, die, die. Um, <laughs> We also saw too many titles coming out of uh, one publisher that just don't have any connective thread across them, so there's no leverage or buoy to increase sales. And what I mean by that is you look at a DC and a Marvel, uh, even a Valiant, and there are connective tissues across the entire universes that can get someone who's reading uh, series title A to also read an issue of series title B. Um, you don't have that with Image, so you're really just all on your own. And once you've gotten past issue one uh, and the rights have been sold to your property for development in TV or film that 80% of the time don't even see the light of day, uh, that's it. The, the train is done and interest wanes significantly. So uh, for me, it's, it's the current state of Image, not because Robert Kirkman ended Walking Dead, but because they just put the eye on everything that gives them 2500 bucks, And I think they need to recenter themselves and figure out if we do want to be the house of ideas, should we be the house of the same ideas all going on at the same time? Um, I think there needs to be a little bit more of a planned approach to releasing and how they, um, you know, if they want to do a six-issue arc, fine. Do one, you know, vampire six-issue arc now and then do the next one when that one's done, as opposed to running them concurrently competing on shelf space and reader's attention. So that's that's my, my negative. My positive is Boom. I think that Boom has really started to step into their own. Um, I'll speak as a retailer and say, you know, they have a lot of um, first and second issue uh, programs that retailers can leverage to reduce our risk on bringing in their books. And that is highly, highly appreciated and has helped us to sell significantly more than what we had previously. And even more than that, I would say bringing in the variety of titles that they have, 
bringing in the creative talent that they have and building up Boom as more than just kind of a quote-unquote kiddies line of books. I think you see things like Sky over East Berlin, Something is Killing the Children. Um, you're starting to get more mature titles in Boom, and it's really resonating with readers. I think that the mix of the tools that they give us as retailers and the vision that they have as a comprehensive and complete publisher, I think really set them up nicely for 2020. But but there is no connective tissue in Boom Books either. There is not, and that's fine. They they have a much smaller line than Image. And again, because Image is basically you pay us to put the eye on it, and that's it, you're on your own, Boom is very much we're paying to get your idea and have it and publish it, so we care a lot more about the success of it, so they put more behind it. Uh, I mean, but... You know, the idea, you pay $2,500 to put the eye on it, and you own the damn thing. I can only tell you what's working and what's not. And what's working right now is Boom is having significant success with their new titles, and Image isn't. Uh, maybe an economy walk. <laughs> I mean, I can pull up the numbers and show you. <laughs> we talk about them every month with John. Um, you know, Image will sell because they have the image eye, but I think you look at the quality and the the duration of the sales, and I think that Boom is going to be in a better place in 2020 than Image will be, especially with no Walking Dead, with no Saga. Um, all you have is Spawn that it's really resting on right now for high number sales. And that's going to come back down because our anniversary issues are over. And I don't want that to sound like I don't like Image, because I love Image. Some of my favorite books are coming out through Image. My favorite creator, my favorite title, both come th go, both come from Image. So it's it's not that I'm trying to say I don't like them. I'm just saying I think they need to reevaluate a few things, and I think Boom is on the upswing. De yeah, I definitely, I definitely think Boom is on the upswing. Uh, you know, if they if they get rid of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I think they'd they'd be able to really refocus their line. But yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of Boom, and they were almost my favorite publisher. Um, it's just a couple, like their their titles are. Uh, there's too many light titles, you know, that just don't have enough meat on the bone. Um, but I I do enjoy a lot of Boom. I, mm -hmm. I agree with you there. I do agree with you there. I got one more thing that's the best decision. Um, this year seems to be the year of FOC. More, more than anything with FOC exclusives and things like that kind of changed the way we do our ordering um, I don't know who's made that decision but I think that was, that's been a, a very cool thing a very neat industry change and, and uh, I've been enjoying that quite wholeheartedly oh yeah we really um, the die 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 thing was, was so much fun for us to have a surprise title like that and, and of course Robert Kirkman has the money to be able to play that game um, you know, not any other, no other creators or publishers can do that. But I thought it was so much fun. I love the fact that we were like in on a little secret at first, and um, it, it was just just brilliantly done. That was that was that was a ton of fun. That whole die 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 thing, and I think it's coming back. Uh, let's move on to um, our miscellaneous categories. Um, your best single issue, your favorite issue of the year, um, 
and I think I had to give this to Walking Dead 193, the final issue, uh, culmination of everything uh, that the series was, and such a great wrap-up, stuck the landing. Um, there were a lot of great nominees here. You know, I could have given it to the final issue of Doomsday Clock or Ice Cream Man 14, the one you could read backwards and forwards. I thought that was pretty brilliantly created. Um, there's tons of them that could have been in there, but I, I had to give it to, to Walking Dead. Yeah, I went chalk with Walking Dead as well. I probably could have got creative and found some other stuff, but I just, I don't think I wanted to find anything other than that book for that book. So I think I just wrote it down and stopped talking about it. Yeah. Uh, for me, Batman Beyond 37. Uh, just exciting. It's been a great title. There's not enough people reading it. Um, it has good movement, good flow, good consequence, and I think that just the overall bringing in this unknown Batwoman, who is she, um, was done perfectly. I, I just, I, I loved it. So that's that's mine. Were you reading it before the heat came? I was. I was. I have a straight run from the New 52 Batman Beyond number one on. I, wow. I've never, I've never read a Batman Beyond, so that's a, it's a blind spot for me for sure. It's, uh, I don't know. Did you ever watch the TV show? No. no. Well, you've missed on two things, good sir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. 2020, your resolution should be to pick one of them and catch up. Yeah, there's a that's a animation is a blind spot I have too. So, um, um I've got people on me about uh, Clone Wars and. Uh, on the Star Wars realm, and th- there's a a bunch of DC animated things that I should check out, and yeah, I missed out on that. That's okay. We all have our uh, our chinks <laughs> in the armor. Uh, let's see. Our favorite publisher. Um, this, like I said, this was this was a close one for me. Um, it was almost boom, but I end up giving it to the Skybound uh, imprint of Image. Um, so it's really given. I guess I'm giving it to Image. But in particular, the Skybound imprint, which I think is uh, the highest uh, quality books, the highest hits for me. Um, I like tons of their stuff. I'm going to miss at least one big major one that that Skybound imprinted. Uh, Of course, that's Kirkman's imprint. I I just think um, the editor there seems to do a good job. And they do print a lot of my letters in the back of their books. I will say that I'm easily bought and bribed. And because my, my letters have been in the back of uh, most of the Skybound books this year, um, uh, that I will now live on in, in immortality forever. You right next to George R. R. Martin. Yep. Because he, I can't remember which issue it was. I think it was an issue of Superman. That he uh, had a letter published in under a different name, of course. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, Bendis got his letter published in a, in um, a John Byrne comic. So a lot of greats begin uh, that way. It's like like, <laughs> like me. A lot of greats. Yeah, you're begin. you're one in a long line of literary giants. Yes, exactly. That's what that's what I was trying to say. Thank you. Thank you. I anytime I can help you with words, I'm gotten down <laughs> with that. <laughs> Kyle, how about you? Uh, for me, I'm still sticking with Act Aftershock. I've been liking reading their their first on a lot of things. Um, not a ton of longevity, and still some things. Still a smaller ship publisher, but I liked the decisions they're making. I like that they're still getting some some nice named creators over over there, and uh, thematically, their books seem to hit pretty good with me. Very cool. Can I guess? Can I guess it's Marvel for you? 
Oh, man. You are so wrong. No? It's no. not Marvel. I'm going to throw a complete curveball. Um, they don't do single issues. My favorite publisher of the year was Viz. Yeah. Oh, wow. I read a handful of ongoing titles from Viz and have enjoyed... I, I, I enjoy reading manga. I find that sometimes it's nice to take a little break. And uh, Black Torch is my favorite title of the year from all the manga that I read. It's uh, It's been very enjoyable. And there's a number of other things I get from Viz. Um, a new series called uh, No Guns Life that just came out. Uh, Radiant, Golden Kamui. They are also the ones that have uh, Death Note, which... Ah. you know it's a great great book uh maybe until the last couple of volumes and for me it kind of went downhill but boy the first two-thirds of it was just phenomenal but anyway so viz is probably my my number one i've liked everything that i've gotten from them this year and then um honorable mentions for me are definitely boom um and then i'm gonna say the um the jinx world add-ins from bendis i enjoy his Oh, James yeah. World editions. So those are my my two honorable mentions. Yeah, I like most of those too. Uh, let's see. Um, a Rising Star Rookie of the Year award. This could be a new series, a new publisher, a new creator, whatever uh, that kind of um, came on the scene. Um, for me, it's W. Maxwell Prince, the writer for Ice Cream Man. Um, he... Uh, I don't. He's done a couple of the other things that, but they were stuff that I had never heard of, and um, he's relatively a newcomer, and therefore he gets my Rising Star Rookie of the Year and someone whose creativity should be rewarded with um, more books, so that he'll spread himself thin and his stuff won't be as good as it anymore, like happens with everybody else. There you go. Um, technically, uh, so I'm talking about DC Black Label just because I like the direction. Going ah, a little, good call. A little more hard. I think it technically started at the end of 2018, but I'm I'm going to pretend I don't know that answer. Um, but I just like the fact that there seems to be a place where we can put a, a more mature title. Um, nothing seems to have hit as hard as the Batman Damned necessarily, but I'm hoping we find a a few more that really stick in that and it really grows, and that uh, we just take it as we can write these shorter stories with a, a more mature theme. And we can we can really go places with some of these superhero books. I'm going to allow you to have that opinion since it is your <laughs> Thank own. You. But, Thank you. <laughs> but I I don't like the fact that they retroactively jammed Curse of the White Knight into Black Label when it wasn't mm -hmm. a, a Black Label title. Mm -hmm. I don't like the fact that it started out as it's a it's a oversized prestige format line, and then it became. Now other things are there, so now Hellblazer is a black label that's three ninety nine book. Uh, so they, I, I I like a lot of the stuff they put out. I will I will give you that. Um, but there's there's a little bit of murkiness in what what the direction is. I think what qualifies, yeah, especially because your your Hill House books are also black label. Yeah, it's yeah. they yeah they've they've confused themselves as to what they've got as a label. Are What's they black a, label now? They are. Have they always been? They have. And that's why yeah. people are like, why are you calling it a label? It's a, oh, it's a pop-up imprint. Well, is it an imprint? No, it's a label. They, they don't know what they're doing. So that just yeah. adds to my DC figure yeah. shit out. <laughs> <laughs> just go back to Vertigo and everyone can be happy. Yeah, yeah. 
How about for you, Rising Star Rookie of the Year? My Rising Star Rookie of the Year is coming out of left field, someone that uh, our good friend Jason in Hawaii did an interview with, had the pleasure of meeting her at C2E2, just an absolutely phenomenally sweet woman, uh, and that's Agnes Garbowska. She has done a number of uh, books for My Little Pony. However, this year she's going big league, and she is now doing the DC Superhero Girls art I think it's oh, a wow. huge, huge uh, jump in her career, and I'm really happy for her. Uh, I love her art style. My daughter loves her art style, and uh, I think that this is the start of probably the next step in her career, so I'm going to give it to her. Yeah. Very good. Uh, for a favorite comic book show or movie, um, they were, there were two shows for me that were standout this year, um, Deadly Class and The Boys. Um, I liked both of them very, very much, and I'm going to give the nod to Deadly Class. Of course, things that I love are taken away from me too early, and uh, Deadly Class was not picked up for a second season by Sci-Fi, um, which still disappoints me so very, very much. Um, but I thought it was just a wonderful adaptation of a great Rick Remender book, and um, uh, so so well done, and. Um, uh, it was my favorite one of the year. As far as shows, uh, those were the two that I actually went through that I thought were two of my better ones. And uh, the stuff that all the Arrow and Supergirl and everything is, they're, they're crossing over for, uh, what's it called, Flashpoint? Or not Crisis. Flash, crisis. I, I like some of the things they're doing. So uh, just the trailer, that really excited me. Um, just a, a couple of the people they've put in the Elseworld Batman characters and and things like that I think are pretty neat decisions and, and lead a lot of those kind of things. So those are my tops. But I, I, I think The Boys is the one that came out of left field the most for me, and I really, really enjoyed that one. I'm hoping that I've got the year right because I am behind in seeing and watching many, many, many things. So I pray I've got it right, but I'm going with Umbrella Academy. Oh, yeah. Yep, you are correct. Yep, okay, so good. That was a Netflix show. Um, I thought it was incredibly well done, fun to watch, fun to, you know, kind of groove along with this band of misfits. So I'm yeah. going to go with Umbrella Academy. I saw the trailer. I haven't haven't got a chance to watch that one yet, along with Titans. I haven't got a chance to check that out, or Doom Patrol. So I'm, I'm behind on a few things. Hey, good news. Holiday break. And Swamp Thing. Yeah, that's... Oh, is, it, is that out? Yeah. Well... What's what's gonna come out? <laughs> Which is yeah. a shame because it what had come out was very good. Small plug for everybody going to read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> Don't have to buy it for me even, but if you do, I'll give you a discount. <laughs> um, favorite other comic related? Oh, sorry, uh, movies as well. I, I thought we were doing oh. uh, shows and movies separately. I, I did or, but you can, sure, go ahead. Of course, we've got Endgame and Joker as the big two movies of the year as far as comic book related things go. We also had Far From Home. I loved Shazam this year. It was one of my favorites. Um, and some would say Captain Marvel. But for me, uh, Endgame, Endgame with a nod to Shazam is my movie related comic stuff for the year. Was that the same year? Mm-hmm. Was that 2019? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. What a which year. Is, which is why I didn't think we, we could gloss over it, because they were just gigantic things. Yeah, that was a big thing. You're right. Yeah, do you want to give a shout-out for a movie, Eric? 
Uh, I only saw two comic-related movies this year that were of the current year, and that was Endgame and the latest Star Wars. Um, so I'll just say they can both have my nomination. <laughs> and nice. I'll you didn't t- see Shazam? No. It's <laughs> oh, really good. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> it's not the Shazam I want to see. Let's just put it that way. So... Uh, I would just say tip of the hat to Marvel, um, taking 80% of the box office for the year. Very, very incredible and um, well-deserved. Well, Dis- Disney did that. Disney slash Marvel, correct. Yes. yes. They are giant. They are a, <laughs> a, a very large corporation. You're correct. And they can buy more. <laughs> they have a big credit card. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, favorite other comic-related... Uh, for me, I gave it to our friends over at CoverPrice.com, C-O-V-R-P-R-I-C-E, who have been curating that fun, uh, top-selling eBay list each and every week for us, even though we sometimes don't agree with it. Uh, sometimes we we um, are, are very pleasantly surprised, and sometimes we're... We, we don't even understand it. So, but it's <laughs> but it's fun. It's always been fun. So, thank you for doing that 50 ish times a year for us. We appreciate that very much. I don't necessarily have one for this. I wasn't really sure where to go on that one. That one was still blank on mine. Yeah, that was a tough one. I was going to ask you if you wanted me to scratch that one, and, and I didn't. Um, Eric, you don't have to play along unless you have something. I do. So, I would say my favorite comic related thing for the year is uh, GPA. GPA analysis, which is uh, CGC comic book pricing, and it takes into account all of the major auction and clearance houses for comics that are slabs. So eBay, uh, Comic Link, Heritage, Hakes, any of those big uh, places, and it gives you an up-to-date price on what the different grade levels are for uh, for each comic that you're looking at in its CGC price. I feel like. Not enough people are aware of that tool. It is a subscription-based tool, but it's fairly reasonable, especially if you're buying and investing in graded comics. And um, you know, GPAnalysis.com. I, I can't can't recommend it enough. It, we turn a lot of people that come into the store that are interested in graded comics onto it. Um, so I would say that's my favorite comic-related thing of the year. You said it's 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 behind a paywall. It is behind a paywall, but it is worth the investment. I think it's sixty-five bucks a year. I think uh, cover price is also behind a paywall. Um, you can get some of their stuff for free, but I, I think the the it, the the nice stuff is is behind a paywall as well. Um, for favorite podcasts of the year, I had some some new additions to my podcast listening. I listen to a lot. I have a lot longer commute than Kyle does. I think Kyle's commute is uh, four minutes or something like it's that. Eight. Eight. Oh, I'm sorry. Eight minutes. Kyle, Um, how do you manage that? I mean, how many times does the horse and buggy have to stop to get water? (laughs) It does quite a few. I don't. (laughs) I don't always even uh, scrape the window. I just go in with it all frosted over. It'll be fine. Nice. (laughs) So many accidents. So many accidents he causes. But anyway, but that's all behind him, Drew. That's all behind him. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's he leaves disaster in his way. That's another story. Um, Um. our good friend uh, Mike M has a new podcast he launched. Mike Myers launched uh, called DC Everything Else podcast that focuses on um, horror comics and war comics and romance comics and sci-fi comics from DC, um, old school stuff mostly. 
there have only been three episodes. I've enjoyed all three of them very much. Um, so that was a standout podcast for me. Um, and my colleague at the Relatively Geeky Network, um, I discovered his podcast this year, which included uh, the Comics Reading Journal, uh, the Quarterbin co- uh, Podcast, the Short Box Showcase, and his Doom con- Doomcast because he's a super Dr. Doom fan. Um, so I've enjoyed listening to his stuff as well. He's really good, Kyle. He scripts his his podcasts and what? actually, yeah, yeah. You know how we like st- stammer and stutter, and you know, he, there's no coughing in his. There's no, <laughs> there's no Kyle. Kyle doesn't hack up a lung in his episodes. Uh, it's top notch entertainment, man, and you should definitely check it out. Um, so those are my favorite podcasts of the year. I don't listen to too much in the way of uh, comic podcasts, unfortunately. Um, again, I don't have the much of a I know a lot of people have talked highly of the Wolverine Long Night podcast and things like that. Ah, yes. Um, so a shout out to that format of taking a comic and uh, doing it in podcast format. Actually doing the podcast and then converting it into a comic. I think it yes. went the other way. Or yeah. verse vice, yes. Yes, pretty neat. Do you do any podcast listening? I do. I do quite a bit. Uh, unlike Kyle, I have anywhere from a 35-minute to an hour one-way commute when I go into my actual real job office. So um, I definitely have to hit up podcasts, and I listen to a, a different variety of things. But um, for comics, I think I have to recuse myself from saying the comic book page because I am now a monthly regular on that one. Yes. So yes. that, that might be yourself. insider trading. Um, comicbookpage.com but anyways um, <laughs> so I, I think for me it's it's kind of a three-way tie actually um, and, and I have to recuse myself from this one as well because I'm a every week contributor via the FOC um, so but you're already <laughs> listening here so you don't need to be directed to come to this one uh, so I would say that probably tied up there for me do you me, listen to anything that you're not on do you listen to anything that you're not on I do I listen to Mike M's <laughs> Okay. <laughs> However, spoiler, I'll be on an episode of that coming up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm going to say the other. So Mike M's is one. Um, then I have, uh, I'll go with CCL. So the Collected Comics Library. Uh, they, oh. they took a pause. Chris is back. He's got Andy Tom. And I really like kind of the new format of the show. I like the different things that they're doing. I find it to be, um, it's fun. It's explicit I, I, now, right? Uh-huh. I think they may throw that tag on there, but they, it's not, you know. It's not bad? No. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the third one is Best of the Rest, and that's uh, Jay and Dennis. And it, it uh, initially started as a pure indie comics podcast where they were talking about all the back half stuff and probably deeper cuts on the back half than, you know, things like um, Valiant and Boom and Dynamite. It, it's deeper cuts than that, like Fanographics and things along those lines. They kind of went through just a, a little bit of a shift in how they're formatting and what they're discussing, and it's really broadened a little bit. So Dennis is starting to get into pulps, so they're talking about a little bit of the sci-fi and the pulp collection type of stuff, and um, it just bringing in more topics. It's it's really it's great. It's a great podcast. It comes out. Yeah, once or twice a month, depending on their schedules and what they've got, and sometimes a little bit more frequently. I think they're shooting for a little more frequently uh, in the coming year, so that's uh, best of the rest. But yeah, so it's Mike M's, um, the CCL podcast, and best of the rest. 
Mike M is actually, I think his his feed is uh, Geek Brunch, I believe, is his feed. So um, if you want to get any of his, he he's on like four or five. He's uh, prolific. I'm, if you Google Mike M's weekly reads, you'll you'll go to the right place. Okay. Yep. Uh, but I think, and I think DC everything else is actually under DC noise. DC noise. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So uh, that might be a little tougher to find, but worth it. Definitely worth it. Yep. Um, absolutely worth it. Mike is. Uh, easily the most positive and upbeat person you will ever talk to about comics yes he has never read a comic that he didn't like never I, <laughs> yes i would agree with he's, that 100 percent. i don't think he's ever seen a movie he didn't like i'm not sure he's ever seen a tv show he didn't enjoy he loves them all <laughs> all of it i bet you even he would agree though that ambulance chaser commercials are the worst I don't know. <laughs> That's true. William Shatner's know. on him. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he might. He might see some value in some of those. But yeah, so, so those guys are all all fantastic, and I love all their all the episodes they put out. Okay, the worst thing to happen in comics in 2019. Another downer of a of a category. I don't know who put this thing together, um, but for me, it's the proliferation and the more commonality of the five, six eight ten dollar comic um no good can come from this except for those greedy retailers and they could <laughs> that make a lot of money off this stuff but who gives a shit about them <coughs> screw those guys I'm, I'm for the little guy i'm for you readers out there and we hate five six eight and ten dollar comics boo i tell you what man we as retailers hate them too do you really? Oh my god, are you kidding like me? Easy money. No. We still have to pay the same percentage whether it's a ten dollar book or a two to three dollar book. Um no, it's we have to fork out more cash up front. Remember, we pay for everything oh, the day true. it walks in the door, which is the day before you get a chance to come and buy it. So yes, no, true. we we're fine if everything's ninety nine cents. Yeah, so if, if a if a uh, if a six dollar buck ends up in the dollar box, it's it's a, a little harder on them than a two ninety nine book ending up in the dollar box. Yep, that's true. That's <laughs> that's very much true. For me, it's the uh, the uh, the decline of image, the end of Walking Dead, the pausing of Saga, uh, the ending of uh, most of the things that I was reading in Image. <laughs> and for me, I'm really trying to figure out. When they started, when did the Walmart DC Walmart specials start? Drew, was that in 2019 uh, or late 2018? I mean, it, it expanded in 2019 for sure. All right, well, I'm going to say that that's the worst. Um, and I've gone on other, I think on the comic book page we talked about it, but to synthesize it down into a small and concise uh, discussion, I would just say that DC did an absolute disservice to themselves, to retailers, and to readers. Uh, by forcing readers to go to another store to buy things at a higher price point with more content in it that they most likely already have, um, yep. being beat out by scalpers going to get the books to flip them, which I don't care, that's fine, that's, that's people's prerogative, I don't give a crap, but you cut out a lot of people from who wanted to read those stories from being able to read them. My solution was let DC have... Uh, let Walmart have their exclusive DC Giants where they've got new content and old content and let retailers have a 99 cent or a $1.99 uh, 10 page comic that just had the new stuff so that we weren't losing our readers and having them disenfranchised. And what ultimately happened in our store was readers started dropping DC books because they couldn't get those other 
items, not knowing if they fit into the DC universe or not. So that was a shame on DC, um, and that's that's where I'm at. I was um, I was on the other side of the fence at first on this, mm-hmm. uh, and that's totally I cool. Them. I totally respect I, that. No, but I, I'm on your side now. After I read them, I thought this is re- this was really high quality comics that should that belonged in comic book shops. And there was no reason the exclusivity was not necessarily needed for Walmart. Um, they would have they would have they wouldn't have had to have had that. And I, I think a hundred percent a dollar ninety nine or you know, putting it out every couple of months, uh, you know, in a, in a three or four dollar book. Um, like they finally, whatever they finally put up, whatever was the format that it finally came out in. I can't remember how, how long, it's, how big it it's was. It's still coming out in, in kind of that single issue form. Yeah. But I, I would say it, just the new but, stuff though. They don't, they don't reprint yeah. the old stuff. Right. Right. And, and yeah. I would say and, for me, it's, it's not so much the content exclusivity that, um, I, I think if you want to have format exclusivity, fine, that's, that's just fine. But content exclusivity is where it really starts to undermine the entire way that comic books are sold. DC, Marvel are not on shelves at bookstores, quickie marts, grocery stores, because they get crowded out by People, Newsweek, Teen Life, whatever the heck else is out there. So you've basically, you cut off a leg. If you're in those other markets, then it's not as big of a deal because we're all fighting equally. But when you're not in those markets, you cut out the legs of the one exclusive place that people have to go. I think it was short-sighted and poorly executed. Uh, the best thing that happened to comics in 2019, I think, is the expansion of Hoopla participation nationwide uh, by library systems. Um, I like this model as a gateway drug to more comic reading. I don't think they necessarily need to print everything in Hoopla, but they need to print the first volume of everything in Hoopla. Um, I want people to be able to find legal free means to read comics get excited about those comics and then become comic addicts like me and the best way i think to do that is um through the thousands and thousands and thousands of 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 library systems uh nationwide uh i think digital is a great gateway drug and and i was really excited by the expansion of hoopla statewide here as well as nationwide Um, I don't really have what I thought was the best. I, I you know, like I said, a, a lot of the expansion of how FOC works and some ex- the exclusive stuff on there, uh, the ability to see art that you couldn't see in previews. Uh, like I said, that kind of changed the way that we did. We do a lot of ordering, and I really thought that stepped the game up a little bit. For me, I'm going to go with uh, Marvel, and probably not where you're thinking. Um, but I'm really happy with Marvel going back and starting to reprint some of their out-of-print hardcovers and collections that are incredibly expensive on the secondary market and trying to get these key stories back into readers' hands that are either related to their cinematic universe or things that they're doing in their books. So the examples off the top of my head are the long out-of-print Deadpool by Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis omnibus, which crept up to a three to four hundred dollar uh, omnibus is going to be back in print. They've solicited it. Um, Annihilation, 
which obviously we have Annihilation Scourge going on right now in the current storylines um, in Marvel Comics right as we speak. Having that, again, another two to $300 omnibus that was out of print for a long time. And a uh, personal favorite of mine, the Silver Surfer Volume 1 omnibus, uh, issues 1 through 18, is going to be back in print, and that was also another expensive one, as well as some of their other um, smaller hardcovers that are starting to come back in print. I think a doubling down by their collected editions department to say we need to get these key stories um, into play I think is is wise. It's certainly been very fruitful for us in the store, um, and it's something that I hope they continue to do. Keep Keep your items in print that are perpetual sellers. Keep an eye on the secondary market, and if there's demand for it, print it. Yeah, it surprises me just how um, scarce some of these things are and the demand, how high the demand is for some of these collected editions. And um, uh, it's it's uh, it's good that they're reacting to that yep. and, and putting them out. So hopefully there's going to be more of that. And DC needs to take that lead, Ugh, too. Let's not even go there. They, they're even worse. They, they tease it and then they cancel it. Yeah, do we do we get any answers as to why they? I mean, what what threshold did, did did those additions not meet, and couldn't they just expand the solicitation cycle until they met that demand? Um, most of the times it wasn't demand. Most of the times it was oh, there's one questionable panel that was done back in the '40s that was during wartime, and it may not look favorably on someone who we were fighting against in the war. We can't do that. That's insensitive. That's just not right rather than just looking at it and saying this is a slice of our history it happened we need to learn from it we need to move on print it and then have a discussion around it use it as a tool use it as a teaching opportunity use it to add some commentary from someone who maybe existed from the other side of the fence um, yeah. but instead they just you know put their tail between their legs and canceled it um, another case was they I, I well so Another one would be the uh, Detective Numbers 1 through 26. That was a double hardcover slipcase set. Um, go find another collection of those out there somewhere. Good luck. And uh, <laughs> no they just decided that, oh, again, this is kind of somewhat insensitive content potentially, so we have to cancel it. Don't ask me why the Mark Wade Impulse Omnibus was canceled and turned into two paperbacks. I lost more sales than I would care to admit, and I wrote an email to DC saying... Now I have to return money to customers, which is fine if that's going to be the game plan. But what I had was a double-digit order for a $100 omnibus hardcover edition, and you are resoliciting them in two trade paperbacks. And I went from t selling 10 of those hardcovers to one set of trade paperbacks. That's wow. terrible. And uh, they just canceled the Starman omnibus, which we had, between James and I, we were planning on ordering probably two dozen of because it's such a great story it's great stuff um, oh yeah nope canceled gone uh so they're just it's we don't know why there's no no communication um james actually sat down oh boy three months ago four months ago with dan didio at a at a show and you know said what's up with all these cancellations and dan's like well that was that was a problem in our collected editions department but that that's been taken care of and that won't be happening anymore and we've had three books canceled since then Eek. So, hmm. add yeah, that to that's... see previous bullet about DC. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really frustrating. It that is. is really frustrating. I mean, it 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 but... sucks when you have to return money, but you know what? That's fine. It's it's a pre-order thing. We get that. But what's even worse is when you take good quality content 
that um, it has a place in our hobby and you're stripping it away like the the uh, Shazam stuff that's a three to four hundred dollar hardcover on the secondary market that was canceled I mean that's that's the exact same thing that Marvel's doing only they're following through printing it regardless of what the content is it's content from the era and we can't change history we can change what happens in the future and how we look at things how we handle situations but if you ignore it you're just being ignorant I, I'm just I'm wondering if if Batwang has reverberated uh, you know they they don't like bad PR and they're they're terrified of bad PR decisions is that what it is that they're just gun shy I personally don't think so Well, then they need to sack up and and print this stuff. Um, when you were when you were um, talking, I a couple of things jumped to my mind as well that I kind of should have jotted down. Uh, fact, the facsimile edition, the rise of the facsimile edition in it's fantastic. In um, I, I've really enjoyed some of these. Um, really, when especially when they pick and select key issues that I can't really afford. Yep, um, they're really fun. They look great. I love the ads being printed. I think that's great. Yep. And, you know, since Stanley's passed, I think Marvel's done a fantastic job of honoring him each month with a Stan soapbox in the Marvel comics. I've I've enjoyed reading those um, I, because I, I don't remember them all. I don't remember reading those back in the day. I don't know if I skipped over them or whatever. Um, but to see those kind of dusted off and in a new light and um, just the... the uh, it reminds me how great Stan Lee was, and um, what a what an awesome cheerleader for the for the hobby we had and we've lost. So um, I think I think those I'm glad that they continue to do that, continue to honor him. Although I'm sure they're going to stop doing that in 2020, but maybe not. Maybe they'll keep doing it. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think there's always going to be an association of Marvel and Stan Lee. I don't see that going away for a yeah. very very significant amount of time. So it, it would be nice if they continue to do little things like that. And I think part of it, too, half of it is honoring Stan Lee, and I think the other half of it is how incredibly relevant his Stan soapboxes from 35 years ago are today. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, say, it's, it's kind of sad. Um, yeah. But but also, I guess, reassuring that there's all along there's been people with good thought, good foresight, um, that could put things into words that – a number of people probably today should read who unfortunately aren't reading them. But, uh, but yeah, I agree. I think the facsimile editions are great. The $1 um, True Believers and DC dollar comics, I think those are phenomenal tools to help, um, again, put some of those key issues in people's hands that otherwise couldn't afford them and also serve as kind of a jumping on point for key storylines. Yep. Okay, our prediction for 2020. Um on a personal level, I am not going to just talk about selling my collection. This year, coming up, I'm going to price it. I'm going to set up a convention. I know I said that last year. <laughs> I'm well aware. I am, but this year, I'm probably going to do it. Dog on it. And from an industry standpoint, um, I, I'm going to see... I think we're going to continue to see the big two dominate... Um, an eighty percent share of the market, uh, the direct market, and and that's going to continue. 
And I think it's going to have some negative effects in the smaller publishers that are have been holding on and holding on, hoping to rebound. And I, I don't think they're going to. And we might lose a couple of small publishers this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that uh, in 2020 we get a little bit more tie into comics with uh, some of the Disney Plus stuff and some of the way that these things are all being cycled into new mediums, be it TV shows or movies or web series or whatnot. I'm hoping they do more collaborations uh, with comic and hopefully lead more people to floppy comic books because of that. That's what I'm hoping the industry starts moving more that way instead of just everything from comics to other mediums. I'm going to say my 2020 prediction is that it's going to get worse before it gets better for DC and that there's going to be some sort of leadership change that has to happen during 2020 to help correct them. Um, I also think that I'm going to say three times in the year 2020, Marvel's going to have over 60% market share. Wow. That'd be a first, right? I think they've knocked on the door up around the 55 to 58 range once or twice, but I I think they're going to hit 60. Um, I have a hunch. When I hear things bantered about, like, convergence, (laughs) the second convergence, and things like 5G, where comments come out that say, we're starting to figure out that continuity is important. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not, yeah, it's not great. No. Um, yeah, that, those are not, those are not encouraging comments from the top. And it's the same guys that were in the top that we talked about, I believe last year, um, ass- assuming that they were going to be replaced and they're still around. <laughs> right. Um, so hopefully this year is the year some, something happens that gets shaken up and we go in the right direction, whether it's 5G or 6G, whatever. Um, Why don't they just yeah, call so it LTE? <laughs> it's AT&T for roaming. Why don't they on. just call it roaming? Yeah. <laughs> Can you read Looking. me now? <laughs> well, that was Verizon. Um, well, we are at an hour 20. I don't think we're going to be able to do the rest of the show on this episode, so we'll call that an episode, and um, we will uh, bring us home, Kyle. okay we'll wrap it up we want to thank you for listening uh of course if you've got any of your best of 2019 uh drops line drew uh gave you all of the different social medias be it the instagrams the facebook's um the twitter's gmail account or all that stuff uh be part if you agree with some of the things we said or if you disagree uh feel free to toss those things in be part of the podcast uh let us know what you loved about comics and which ones you really enjoyed of 2019 and if you've got some doom and gloom predictions for dc like we've had here today share those with us as well don't forget eric has issued a challenge for the year 2020 as far as buying and selling and flipping and profiting from comics uh, to be put back to the Heroes Initiative. So the stuff that's coming out next week is going to be part of that because those will come out in 2020 and be part of this. So don't skip a week. Figure out what's going on. So for Drew, for Eric, and for myself, see you.